0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. All right, welcome in, welcome in. It is Thursday morning, August 10th. 7.42 a.m. Mountain Time. That means it's time for an episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always on these morning shows, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how you doing? What's new? Happy uh, preseason eve uh, to you.
2: I woke up today. It should be Friday. Uh, the, yeah. the, the The high school team had a scrimmage last night and, you know, come home. You want to sleep in like it, it should be the weekend, a Wednesday night game. It should be the weekend the next day w- yeah. without a doubt. So if it's all right with everybody else, we'll just say it's it's the weekend. I mean, we've got even football coming up on a Friday night. It, it definitely
1: feels like the weekend to me, dude. It does for me as well. Uh, so we're going to get in the show, though. Obviously, we're not taking it off. We don't take weekends off. You know, we have work to <laughs> no, do No, we're here. talking football. This yeah, is football. this is still a football show, but it's, you know, we talk football on weekends. Yeah, the weather has started to turn, turn here a little bit this last week. I'm sure we'll have a last hurrah of heat and sun and whatnot. Uh, at some point because it's still August and it can be hot and dry here through September. Uh, but this week it felt like football weather. Like I was sitting home at sat on a Saturday. I'm like, man, I wish I could just put on a game of like Florida state, North Carolina right now, or some random NFL game, you know, just uh, something like that. But uh, it's right I'm around the corner. watch two mid table sec teams. Yeah. I'd give me Ole Miss versus Mizzou. I don't I'm care. I'm
2: kidding. College football. <laughs> We're just getting back to college football as in, It's chaos. Yes. It's chaos. We'll see how it comes out. We won't talk about that
1: too much today. Plenty to talk about coming up. Broncos wise. Yeah. Depth chart coming out. Josh Jacobs uh, discussion, obviously, and uh, the Broncos playing the Cardinals. So a lot of stuff to go on. And we heard from Sean Payton yesterday. Another good uh, day of training camp practice from Russell Wilson. So lots to talk about, probably more than we'll have time uh, to get into, but that's okay. Uh, That's a much appreciated change from, you know, july uh when we're in here we got jeremy sean saying morning boys one more day good to see you jeremy kevin Gray's in the house saying morning nick and scott big mile high salute to broncos country denver broncos for life mhh for life us dave in here saying buenos dias before we all know it the half the season will be gone such as life uh us dave such as life uh jeremy also says i find it very encouraging that russ and the offense are stacking good days it's been almost a decade since we've heard that about the offense It's been a long time. There have been a few days here and there where, like, oh, my God, the offense flashed today, Uh, but it's been multiple days now where Russell Wilson has been good. Again, I just being maybe the negative Nancy that I am, uh, I want to urge cautiousness, conservatism, in terms of your overall opinions and approach until we see what this team looks like versus non-Broncos opponents and when it's not in that practice setting. Uh, But we're going to start to get a better idea in – preseason just you know right around the corner literally tomorrow uh, we're gonna get an idea although can we call the cardinals getting a better idea given what they're fielding this year it's still nice though it's
2: still encouraging i mean if you've got your choice of they kink out of their own way or they're looking really good i'll take this one on the right here yeah so it's it's it is it's still encouraging um how much is the defense showing how much is etc etc we've we've been through all of this the the zero-sum, the balance of the scales. They're Broncos versus Broncos. What goes up must come down. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the joint practices, which are actually late this year, so it'll be preseason games really before the joint practices to get an idea of of how things are looking, how the system is running, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, for, late for the Broncos. A lot of teams are already in uh their joint practice session right now i know that the falcons are going up against the dolphins i know that the giants and lions are going up against each other i think there's a few more Jackson as well, panthers but we'll have... got canceled today actually because of
2: the weather it's the soggy south right now but they they canceled their second joint practice today
1: well soggy south does not sound so bad and just uh one <laughs> moment here real quick uh, i wanted to give a moment of Silence, reverence. I don't know for what's going on in Maui uh, right now. I think I saw that the fatality count is up to thirty-six from that wildfire, and just absolutely devastating. So uh, I know Patrick's out there on uh, Oahu, so hopefully he's doing okay with everything. But man, just unbelievable—you tropical <laughs> island, Hawaii, with a massive rain uh, a wildfire. So yeah, it just... jailed
2: out there. We got lots of Hawaiian Broncos, so hope everybody's being safe out there. And if you need a place to come stay. We sheltered folks as they're coming through from the <clears throat> from the hurricane in Florida a couple years ago. So come on over. Come to the soggy south. Yeah.
1: Unbelievable. Just really just devastating. Um, Ethan in the house. Ethan, it's been a second. Hope you're doing well. Always love to hear from you. Says, good morning, gents in Broncos country. Hope everything's going well for you across the pond there. Uh, we hope that you know things are great. Dahein saying, it's been a while since I've been able to catch a live show. Well, it's good to see you. Good morning, Broncos country. And where's my coffee? It's a BYOC uh, on this show. It's, unless it's lioncoffee.com. Yes. That's, that's where your with... coffee is. Lioncoffee.com. Absolutely. Shout out to Patrick again. He uh, doesn't join us from any morning shows because it's, I think, 447 right now. Maybe. I don't know how today,
2: to Nick. it. Um, I don't know huh. if you're, you're bouncing around a little bit. Just the, the audio is. Uh, but Jason O'Neill <laughs> says, Good morning. Good morning. How's Broncos Country doing? Game time is almost upon us, even if it's just preseason. Buckham and hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Absolutely. I want to say hello to Michael ranquillo the icebreaker, coming in with some stars for sure. Uh, and then we had some questions that that came in too. So thank you, Michael, for your support as always. And Dahan, welcome in. It's good to see you. Um US Dave had a question. I like this one. He says, uh, so what makes the most sense to be able to watch all the games from out of the market? And I said, you know, a local sp- sports bar. That was what we called um. The games were on when out the East Coast games start at 10 a.m. We I called that California church when I was out west. You'd roll in at 10, and, and they said the, the money gets kind of expensive when you're doing you know seven dollar drinks. I don't drink. I'm a cheap date, so you know free refills on coffee and a twelve dollar uh, breakfast. You know I I I, I was okay twelve dollars for a football game. I would about triple my tip though is after mm-hmm. I would sit there and camp out on the server's table for three hours. Instead of a $3 tip on a $15 tab, I might leave a $10 tip after yeah. I just took there. So if you are camping out and you're not ordering drink after drink after drink and you have a small bill, take care of your servers, please. Take care of them. Yeah.
1: They take always, care of always. us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, US Dave. Dave Glassman in the house. Morning, all. Good to see you. Brian Dunn's in the house. Good morning. Uh, we got Zach Powers in the house. Hope you're doing well, Zach. Appreciate you. David Bishop's in the house. Good morning, gang. Dom Armio saying, Russ is stacking days. Good to, yep, good to hear that. David Yunkin in the house. Hope you're doing well. Says, morning Broncos country. Good to see us. Uh, Zach Franklson stopping so negative. See everything negative. Maybe why keep it happening?
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Uh, I guess I'm, I'm just always going to be a conservative in terms of seeing as believing for me. If you want to be the person who, you know, head over heels and in love and hoping for the best, I'm not going to tell you to be, I guess I will tell you to be another way, but that's not me. That's not how I <laughs> approach life. Um, I, I want to see it over multiple times. I'm a sample size person. I come from data and epidemiology and statistical analysis, and, uh, I understand what data is more valuable and volume of data mattering. So that makes me negative, I'm sorry. I, I like to think I'm more of a realist than anything, and seeing is believing for me. And also last year, let's be real. Uh, And, God, the last eight years, we've had the rug pulled out on us. How many times? Oh, Drew Locke's the next big guy. Oh, Case Keenum, that's much better than any other move we could have made. Oh, Paxton Lynch first round? Hell yeah. Trevor Simeon, seventh round. It's going to be great. Does that make me negative? Maybe I am negative, but I, I think I just I need to see enough there to begin to believe again, especially after last season's Atrocity.
2: And I'm self-centered enough to think that I actually am a curse. So, (laughs) um, you know, where I bet money and stuff, things just happen. So negativity, well, it's born from experience. Mm -hmm. I like to say being a cynic is being a realist, being an optimist is being a dreamer. Uh, That's hoping that something's going to happen. Being a cynic, eh, it means you're not surprised very often, but you are kind of a cynical SOB most of the time.
1: Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Zach says he meant the fans in general, not us. Well, I can be kind of a uh, negative again. I'm very much a seeing is believing kind of person and uh, I need to see it multiple times. You know, it's like one of those things like somebody does something unbelievable. It's okay. Do it again. I need, I need to see it again. This is that, that could just be an anomaly. Um, so uh, definitely. I think the, uh, what the Broncos have done over the last few seasons, kind of warned me, that da- worn me down a little bit. I mean, I've been covering this team since, 2017 and i've not seen them have a winning season which is unbelievable um but uh, hopefully that'll turn around this year mark schrader turn it around in here good morning nick and scott ten dollars super chat hope you're doing well mark really appreciate you coming in and gary palmer with the 999 says good morning nick and scott excited to see a game heck yeah go broncos and buckham hope you're doing well both of you two i mean gary and mark are two ogs in the chat always supporting us so appreciate you Uh, Scott, topic today, you sent it to me this morning, maybe more as a potential article writing, but there just keeps being linkage uh, between the Denver Broncos and star running back of the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh Jacobs. Uh, Jacobs is unhappy, obviously. He's sitting out right now, has not signed his franchise tag tender, I do not believe. And uh, there's been rumors they may rescind his franchise tag, they may trade him. uh, And once again, he is linked to the Denver Broncos by CBS Sports this time, rather than Uh, this is more just a writer linking versus the the rumors that we had from mike florio earlier this week
2: yeah and it's not even just linking you rank them Mm -hmm. you know which i thought was interesting and a lot of times i don't know if you all remember the old days of the message boards but someone would go on a message board and read something that someone wrote and then i'd call nick who read the same thing and say dude i'm hearing that josh jacobs is coming to uh coming to denver And Nick says, I'm hearing the same thing. And all of a sudden it's fact when they read the same article, which is maybe how this came to be. Um, But logical landing spots is what uh, the article was. And it came up and who, who wrote this? It was Cody Benjamin, who's done some interesting things to say the least, but to have him second, I thought was a little bit, maybe there's a little bit more smoke there. It is a logical landing spot. If, if, he's cut. I won't say cut, but if the contract offer, which is a one-year deal on a franchise tag is rescinded, then he's a free agent. Then it, it would be a logical spot. Um, do I still expect this to happen, Nick? No. No, I do not. I do not expect this to happen.
1: Yeah, I think that the Raiders would sit on him for a year rather than letting him go potentially to the two teams that he has been linked to, uh, not just you know by a writer, but by a rumor um, from Mike Florio of NBC Sports. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sorry, Scott. That
2: sounds <laughs> so weak, Nick. Yeah. It wasn't just linked by a writer. It was linked by a
1: rumor. No. Okay. Well, it's, I de- guess... it's
2: happening. It's happening.
1: <laughs> I guess the way to put it would be a, a source uh, a source linked them to, to these two teams. I'm glad you didn't spit on your computer, Scott. <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, the source from Mike Florio said that the chiefs and the Broncos are two teams that have, uh, there's some smoke there. So interesting. The chiefs are not on the list here by CBS sports. I think that they do make sense given they are in their go for it now window. And P- Pacheco has been injured. I just don't think their running back room is that strong. And to get somebody like Jacobs out there to force teams to, have to play, you know, heavier boxes, not play that really, you know, conservative cloud coverage show would be good for the Chiefs. But they link them to the Broncos here. The number two team here. The, the list goes six Patriots, five Eagles, four Bears, three Dolphins, two Broncos, one Jets. Uh, but they write about the Broncos here saying, Javonta Williams is a promising homegrown starter, but he's coming off an ACL tear. And new backup, Samaj P. Ryan is better suited in a reserve role. New coach Sean Payton, meanwhile, has raved about Jacob's ability and could accomplish two tasks at once by prying away of the back from Vegas weaken the divisional rival and also ensure that Russell Wilson has a killer ground game for his hopeful rebound. It's unlikely the Raiders would actually deal him, but if deal him here, but if Jacobs becomes a free agent, look out for Denver. So, if he becomes a free agent, I think it's certainly possible. I don't know if it's the best allocation of resources for where the Broncos are at. In my opinion, uh, considering they paid Samaj P. Ryan a solid number two running back contract uh, and also the way uh, Javonta Williams is progressing. But if he's out there, you're going to have to take a long, hard look at it. And it's a good call by the article mentioning Sean Payton's ravings of Josh Jacobs, which he has said some really good. Before he was with Denver's, he really talked up what Josh Jacobs did uh, for the Raiders last year.
2: U.S. Dave, uh, he says, but with what trade um, capital as opposed to who would you send those guys, either picks or players and what cap room and what position room opening? And that's the key is the position room opening one. But You wouldn't have to trade for him. That's the thing. You you could, I don't think you could trade for him. Um, Not that you'd even want to give up picks or players to make that trade. We're talking if they just say, listen, we're rescinding our offer and and he becomes a free agent. Then it's his choice. Then you can massage the cap. There's about seven and a half million available right now. I could give a two year deal with 10 guaranteed uh, and that would knock his cap with a $1 million salary this year that would give him $11 million right now with a cap hit of six and I'm still good. I up his base salary next year. And you know, there's, there's ways to do it with, with signing bonuses and and, and two year deals, three year deals. uh, However you want to do that. You can, there is cap room. If that's really where they wanted to allocate their funds, money wouldn't be the issue. The issue would be, is this the guy you need? to come in? Is this really where I want to allocate my funds or should, do I want to keep a little bit in reserve for September 1st when all these cuts happen down on, on August 29th? And I see I want to get a new 300 pounder on either side of the line or both sides of the line. I just don't think it's the right allocation of resources right now. Yeah, I
1: even I get if he's it. Available, that, and I don't think he's going to be available for one. Nick. No, I don't think so either. I think that the Raiders will probably just sit on him or trade him, potentially. I mean, wouldn't you take... Some, somebody's somebody's to probably trade him, him
2: if he doesn't sign it, though?
1: Uh, he, he'd have to sit, out for the whole year. sit up for the whole I year. Okay. I don't think he'd get paid either because he'd have to sign that, but it would just be a lost year. And as a running back, I mean, it's I typically take the players' side on things like this. Forget it's that it's the Raiders or anything like that. So, especially a running back right now with what's going on, but you'd think that the Raiders would be if he's not going to play there, they'd be smart enough to find a suitor that would trade for him. Right. Like even if you're just getting like a fifth round pick for him, you're getting the money off the books and oh, yeah, you, you can dictate pick up his option. I was like, they did not pick up his
2: pick up his option. So instead of using the fifth year option, they tagged him, which is actually cheaper in a lot of instances yes, for running backs. Um, and now he isn't taking it. And if you tag him and don't sit, it's like being drafted and not playing. You have to sit out a year and then
1: enter the free agent pool or, or again, silliness. <sighs> I'm not sure if this year would count if he sat out completely. I wonder if that uh, the year of control would transfer over to another season, but at some point you're just kind of recoup some assets. Uh, so I, I think that if the Raiders want to move on from him, somebody would have to be a suitor and I would even take a lesser return on him if it meant not trading him in the division personally, but it's going to be interesting to follow Josh Jacobs. I think that there's still enough running backs out there. Um, that we can continue to slow play. And this has been my opinion since we heard Javonta Williams is coming back. Follow the running back market, see what's going on there and slow play it. And as you gather more information on Javonta Williams, you can make a more educated decision. Uh, Kareem Hunt is still out there. I know that you you can't talk about him without mentioning the off-field incident that happened with him, but he is still available. Dalvin Cook is still available. Ezekiel Elliott is still available. And it's not just Josh Jacobs as far as big time running backs who might be on the market traded. But uh, Jonathan Taylor has also been rumored uh, as well. So I think there's enough. The Colts, the Colts made an offer to Kareem Hunt yesterday. Did they make and they an signed, offer? They, they, just sing, bring they in?
2: signed Kenyon Drake last week. They lost Zach Moss to a broken arm. And then they offered a contract to Kareem Hunt yesterday.
1: They did offer. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had not heard that. I knew that he left the Saints and I knew he was going to Indy, but yeah, we'll they, see what happens. came away so. without a deal, but there was a contract offer made. Okay. So we'll be, again, the running back markets feels pretty darn stagnant right now. And the other thing, again, we're going to get down to 50, uh, 90 to 53 men uh, rosters, and there's going to be running backs available. I mean, it's just it's the reality of the situation. So are they going to be Josh Jacobs level? No, but let's say you just need to bide yourself a little bit of time for Javonta Williams. You know, even if it's just eight games, you can probably find somebody to help the room out a little bit. With that, if you're not such a big fan of Jim, Jaleel McLaughlin or something as your third back. So personally, I'm not for allocating that many resources to the position in terms of uh, finances. I'd rather roll that over considering the Broncos are already going to be in the red next season. Uh, but it's interesting. He is keep keeps being linked here. We know Sean Payton likes him. And Sean Payton has made multiple comments about the importance of the running game to help out the offense. And one of his first interviews before, uh, after he signed or actually was traded with the Broncos was that you needed to have a strong running game to take quote Russell Wilson off the high dive and adding Josh Jacobs would definitely help do that. So would be interesting. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if I can um, advocate for it though. Personally,
2: he's increased his uh, reception yards every year. He's been in the league too, which is, which is interesting. It was, he went 20 receptions, 33, 54, 53. So it kind of peaked up in the offense there but his average per went up in 2022. So he had 166 yards, 238, 348, and then 400. So again, a key, if I'm bringing in a running back into Sean Payton's offense, he better be one hell of a receiver out of the backfield.
1: Yeah. And especially given what the position looks like for the Broncos right now, uh, Samaj P Ryan, It was so weird. I mean, you need – he's like – I don't remember who the running back the joke was about uh, back in the 80s and 90s, but he's like, if you need one yard, he's going to get you three. If you need five yards, he's going to get you three. That's kind of just Samaj P. Ryan, one of the (laughs) least explosive backs in football last season, but also one of the most efficient uh, backs as well. So we'll be curious to see what he can do in the pass game and bring that. He's well-rounded, but he's kind of just very much a, a jack of all traits. And Javante Williams, well, I think there's potential there in the pass game. Even in North Carolina, he was not the go-to out-of-the-backfield pass game back because you had Michael Carter there, who's the pretty good number two for the Jets. So curious to see what that looks like for them. Maybe Dulcich is going to be out-of-the-backfield kind of stuff. I mean, he's not listed as the first tight end on the depth chart, which I do want to get to, but uh, But he's not the last. He's not the last either. Yep. Uh, Alonzo Gonzalez, 999, says, I'm cautiously optimistic for the season, but excited to see the starters play. Let's go. Hashtag Buckham. Yeah, it does sound like the Broncos are not planning to change their plans at all based on the absolute garbage heap that is the Arizona field. Apparently, uh, they're going to go out before the game and make sure that they are in the right cleats and stuff. And maybe once he sees the field or, you know, one drive, he's like, okay, this is actually pretty dangerous. Well, let's get these guys out of here. Uh, but for now, it sounds like they're going to go out there and play that. But there's been a lot of discussion about just the absolute terrible quality of the Arizona field. I have a little problem with that, Nick. About
2: the okay, this is too dangerous for our starters. You guys go in. I, if if you think the field conditions are too bad for your players to be out there, leave, leave, pay the fine. You know, I mean, you'd have to say, I'm not sending my players out there. You don't, again, say, I don't want my starters out there. The field conditions are too bad. So let's throw in these guys that aren't making any money and trying to make a team. Um, but Sean Payton. He, he he addressed it yesterday. Um, we'll have a, the video cut up if you just want to find that one on uh, Mile High Huddle YouTube later today. But just said, yeah, it's it's always been okay. It's always looked kind of brown because they use it so much. But the conditions are fast, and uh, and it's a it's a hard harder surface. But despite the grass looking worn, the conditions have been okay. And he says it is not going to affect his player rotation. That's what they say now. But uh, again. If I have a problem with putting a player out there, I should
1: have a problem with putting all of my players out there, Nick. Yeah. I I think I hear you from an ethical and morality standpoint, but at the end of the day, it's a business and it's about self-preservation. And if you're losing starters out there in a meaningless preseason game because the field turf, it's just, I think, natural to think like, okay, we got to protect our, you know, breadwinners uh out there and that would mean taking the starters off
2: I know, but from i would also they they're gonna do that anyway yeah but if they decide like beforehand no i don't i don't want my starters we were gonna play them two quarters but we decided the fields were too bad that we pulled them after the first series and we threw these other guys out there because we don't care if they get hurt that's i have a problem with that so i would just say listen i would totally 100 back them if they came out and you know they raised hell the oh the the about them and say, listen, we're pulling all our guys out of here. All of them. I would stand up and cheer loudly with every platform I've got. Yep.
1: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download
0: the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price
1: Priceline.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.:
1: Definitely agreeing. Thank you so much, Alonzo, for the 999. It's definitely awesome to be cautiously optimistic. I'm OK for cautious optimism, uh, but uh, I'm, I need to see it to believe it. Good morning from Gary Neighbors. hope you're doing well. I'm going to guess this is Benjamin Flores. Can't wait for tomorrow. Going to pour a drink after a long week and watch some Broncos football. Let's go. And game. I see some questions about the uh, where the game's going to be. Can you stream it? I always am able to find it, even if the quality is not very good or I have to bounce around streams and whatnot because I'm in the West time zone, which means I always get the bleeping sea chickens uh, games <laughs> out here instead of the, uh, the Broncos. Uh, but uh, they were more entertaining last season, at least. Unless you're a uh, Schadenfreude kind Those of fan. Those are different networks most of the time with NFC, AFC. But typically, it's two games in the first afternoon sh- slot, and right. then only one game, doesn't matter which one it's on, in the uh, the second after- afternoon slot. So, unfortunate. Uh, used to be, you know, living in the Midwest, Broncos were almost always the chosen game uh, in the second time slot because the Peyton Manning effect. Uh, but uh, not so much anymore, unfortunately. Uh, We'll see if that changes. Lance Dorian says, will Josie Jewell get a second look at a new contract after a Griffith injury? Be a third contract in Denver for Josie Jewell. I think right now the writing is on the wall for Josie Jewell, which hurts me to say in my Iowa gear here with me on me, but uh, you drafted uh, uh, Drew Sanders last season and just historically Jewell has been a missed time because of injuries and linebacker is the running back of the defense in terms of money allocation. So I think that Josie Jewell probably last season in Denver, but we'll see. I mean, he is the green dot wear. he is a glue player for that team. And while Alex Singleton's out there, you know, sounds like he's having a great camp uh, wearing the green dot and getting everybody set up is a very valuable skill set as well. And I'm not sure if Alex Singleton is that guy or Drew Sanders is just yet. So I'd say it's unlikely Jewell is back after this season, uh, but we have a lot of games to play and things to play out before we can make that call. I think it might be unlikely that Griffith is back after this season. Um,
2: Yeah. So going to Lance's point, um, I I think it's very possible that Griffith is back, that uh, Josie Jewell is back, but not on seven million. He could come back maybe on two. I mean, they keep bringing back Kareem Jackson for goodness sakes on you know two million dollars, one million dollars, one and change. That he might want to test the free agent market, and it could be very amicable. Hey, I'm going to see what else is out there. You guys are offering me too. thank you. But I'm going to see if anybody else needs a 30 year old linebacker. That's going to have 150 tackles. If he stays healthy this year um, and see if I can't get three or $4 million next year. Now um, there's guys out there that had 160 tackles that are younger than him. That were first round draft picks like Rashawn Evans that are still waiting for contracts right now. Um, but could he be back with the Broncos? Yes, I believe so. Not at
1: seven million dollars, which is his cap hit this year. And we just saw, I mean, pretty talented running back our talented linebacker Logan Wilson sign a very team friendly deal, uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. So that linebacker market is just not really it's worse than running really, backs, it's, it's not very good, uh, for without a doubt. I mean, there is more of a market for second contract players, uh, than running backs, yes. it seems. Uh, but it's, it's a position that backs. T- I'm exaggerating. Yeah. It's yeah, almost yeah. as bad as running backs. It's the running back of the defense. Maybe mm-hmm. you can argue safety as well, but really good, versatile safeties are still getting paid. Uh, and I mean, again, Fred Warner almost needs to be put in a box because he's like playing almost a different position than anybody else at the linebacker spot right, right. Now. now. And
2: that's what you and I talk about. You've, you've heard me say before, there is no positional value on a game changer. The game mm-hmm. changers are still making eight figures. Is yep. Josie Jewel a game changer or is he just a, he's not a jag, but he's not that far off it. He's a guy that does a job. He's a solid um, contributor. He's, he's a solid, he's, he's fine. Yeah. He's not, he, he's not a game changer typically. Nope. I mean, he, he has his moments, but you know, you play 17 games, you should have your moments. Um, But again, not on 7 million. That's, that's his contract hit this year. His contract is almost set up where he was expendable this year. And I don't think they could afford to lose him this year. They're going to set themselves up to be afford to lose him next year. And if, if he wants to walk like, again, I'll repeat, I won't be surprised if he is back on the team, but it will be for about a
1: third of what he's making now at most. And I think the market will be better for him than that. Unless he's injured, which is the big thing with Josie. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I'd rather have studs on the, Edge spot defensive line and cornerback over linebacker and safety any day. Uh, you just get me some solid players out there that are not out of position at linebacker. You can field the best defense in the NFL. Uh, I mean, for Christ's sake, the Broncos did it with fifth round pick Brandon Marshall and undrafted free agent Todd Davis and had arguably the best defense we've seen in the last 20 years mm-hmm. in the entire NFL because the defensive line and the cornerbacks were that good. Uh, we want to say hello to Kayleon Green. Yo, good to see you, Kayleon. Hope you're Yo. doing well always good to see you yo 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 and uh speaking of yo whatever that means Philip Haginson in here as well saying uh good morning guys hope you're doing well and Zach saying yeah very low money being paid but way less available talent at linebacker it's just there's a lot of solid guys there Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised we haven't had much uh input here from our guy Ethan talking so much about linebacker but talking about linebackers let's get into the depth chart here uh so much with the uh, the Broncos released their depth chart yesterday. I knew that it was supposed to come out yesterday, but I was a little surprised. Um, I know that Sean Payton historically has been very slow um, on the draw at the depth chart there. And here is the depth chart. I, it's so small on the screen, guys. I, I guess I can zoom in a little bit, um, but uh, I don't know if I can change things too much for you guys. But honestly, on the offensive side of the ball, as far as the starters go, not Too many surprises. The only one on that first line that really does raise an eyebrow, in my opinion, is we see Adam Troutman, who the Broncos traded for from the Saints in the fifth round of the previous draft class. I think they got a pick back as well. I think it was uh, Adam Troutman and that seventh round pick they took Forsyth Forsyth with for a fifth. And then you have Greg Dulcich listed on the second team. So a little surprising uh, to see Dulcich not list number one. I know there was some tight end talk yesterday from Sean Payton and it pretty much came off as I don't want to read too much into it, but he pretty much came off as Troutman's our only guy who can do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. The other two are very niche and it's something that kind of hounded on a bit to this off season. And it's like, listen, Dulcich is horrible as a blocker. And if you want to be a run team, that could be an issue uh, for you and seeing him number two on the depth chart and hearing Sean Payton talk about him excited to see what he can do in the past game, but he feels almost very much like a, ornamental auxiliary kind of piece. And it doesn't seem like that's exactly what they're looking for, for that tight end one spot. I, uh, again, we start talking about
2: depth charts. Where is Dulcich listed on third and eight? You know, when we start talking packages, okay, if I'm going out in third and eight, is it going to be Troutman or Dulcich? Probably going to be Dulcich. If I go out there on first and 10 for the first snap of the game, and I'm in, you know, a, a, two wide receiver and a tight end package. Who's going to be my tight end? It'll be a guy that can block. You know, that's that, that's how it's going to be listed. Who And I, I think of, again, we, we talk positionless football here or there. I think of Greg Dulcich as receiver three or four on this mm-hmm. team. Not wide receiver, not tight end, but who's getting the targets outside of the running backs? Who's getting the most targets downfield? And I think he'll end up being three or four on this list, uh, Nick, mm-hmm. regardless of what the depth chart says as far as who's walking out there when we go you know, pro set or single back or whatever, um, single tight end and we want to run the ball. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be him. And he's not going to be out there ahead of Judy and Sutton either. But when I've got three receivers out there, or definitely four, he's going to be in that rotation ahead of Troutman when I need to get third and eight. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm just a little bit concerned. Uh, we've talked about it on here a lot. If if you want to be, I know it's a buzzword for offensive minds and offensive coordinators, but if you want to be multiple with your personnel packages, specifically, you know, 11 versus 12, you need your tight ends to be enough of a threat as blockers that it means that the opposing defense, whoever's calling the shots there, feels like they have to take off defensive backs for linebackers. I worry that Dulcich is such a poor blocker that teams are just going to approach him and be like, listen, we're going to put a cornerback on him. We're going to put a safety on him. And then you lose whatever schematic advantage you get there because those guys are as athletic as him. They can hang with him in space. He is not you know, a Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews-level athlete out there in space. He just isn't. He's fluid, but he's not explosive. So I worry about what he can do to help dictate
2: opposing personnel. Troy coming in. And says, hey guys, we'll w- listen later. Anxious to see how the offense flows on Friday. I think we all are, Troy, mm-hmm. uh, and looking forward to it. And thank you for the support as always and coming in yellow with the super chat. Um, I don't think he can be that bad, especially if they're in any kind of a press. When you're out wide, again, I don't I don't think of him as an inline tight end. I think of him as a slot receiver, honestly.
1: Yeah. Um, but at that point,
2: wouldn't you rather just have a wide receiver who's gonna be better against maybe. a cornerback? You know, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how big Dwight Clark was, but Dwight Clark always felt like a, a similar type of body type. You got to go way the way back machine to find Dwight Clark. Um, but, like, I mean, hell, you've got one of the best ever here in, in Shannon Sharp. Hmm. Yeah, Shannon Sharp was a tight end, but he was a receiver first. Come on, let's yeah. be honest. He could block, but I just need him. If I'm off the line and I'm not going against – someone 240 or bigger all i need to do is get in their way outside on the edge so if they're impressed that's gonna be pretty easy for a guy his size yeah. so if it's a corner out there and i can run third and five becomes a running down i can count on him to be a blocker but the reason you're you're one 100 right the reason why he's not listed higher than he is on this it's because he's a liability in the run game
1: yeah flat out and it comes back to a lot of Stuff that we heard leading up to the NFL draft and after the NFL draft as well, the Broncos were hot to trot on some more over, uh, more well-rounded tight ends. And if the draft had fallen a certain way, I think it's possible the Broncos could have gone up uh, for a tight end. Uh, Specifically, Luke Musgrave was out of reach, uh, but he could have been he's somebody that Broncos were interested in Michael Mayer, Sam Laporta as well. Uh, so that didn't happen. Broncos were also interested in a bunch of centers that didn't uh, work out that way, but they got Marvin Mims who we got here listed on the second team here, probably wide receiver three, given everything that's happened mm-hmm. uh, this off season for the Broncos. And he's started to come on and I'm ex- excited to have Marvin Mims. Just not enough draft picks to get every single guy we liked in, in the top 100, but uh, Tanner Buckley coming in and saying, man, what happened, happened to Albert Okwibnam? How is he fifth on the depth chart now? Thanks for the show. He is, two regimes ago draft pick he's on the final year of his contract and he is also not a very good blocker he i mean i know he test ran really well at the combine he's kind of living off that 40 yard dash and a few splash plays here and there but this is a team that wants to run the ball and he's probably a worse blocker than greg dulcich so uh he's all the way down here at fifth and uh do want to say that it sounds like nate atkins uh kind of a little bit of tight end and fullback uh, listed fourth here he's had a solid camp uh apparently. So yeah, we got Albert Okawebon all the way on the fifth team. He very much feels like on the outside looking in right now.
2: Yeah, we watched him, you know, last last year, and the, the the discussion's always been tanner, but since we're talking tight ends, I wanted to hit this one now. Um, about his everything we just said about Greg Dulcich applies to Albert Okawebinam. Okay, well, what do we talk about Dulcich? We talked about him being a receiver. That was supposed to be Albert Okawebinam's bread and butter. Now, you can call it rust. You can call it whatever. After sitting out and being inactive for, you know, two months, he gets in his first game back uh, really on offense. Um, Denver at Kansas City. He has uh, three receptions on six targets and a touchdown. Oh, great. Oh, my God, Nick. He looked so, even on the touchdown catch, he looked so uncomfortable catching the ball. I mean, it was he was fighting it all the way in. I'm like, oh, Lord, he's he's not a receiver now either well, if you can't block and you can't catch, what exactly are you doing here? So I just, that was my impression of seeing him towards the end that he's, he's done as a Denver Bronco.
1: Also, he does not bring much. If you're the fifth, the fourth tight end listed, you better damn well, everyone drink, play special teams. And he's just the mentality, the physicality and the ability to bring it. It's always been a question mark with him. So I just I don't I don't know what's going to happen with him. Uh, I don't think he'll make the team. Somebody will pick him up because he's big and he can run fast, and he had some uh, good um, production in that hypol uh, offense at Mizzou. His redshirt sophomore season out there um, when Drew Locke was a junior, but yeah. it's just I don't think it's happening for him for the Broncos. Uh, just such a niche player, and they already have uh, Greg Dulcich who can kind of be that niche guy. Not and a single
2: snap on special teams in his Broncos career. How does that yeah. even happen? As a tight end. Yeah, just, you a, can't have it. It's an Uber athlete. Let's not let's let's make no mistake. This guy's an athlete.
1: Yeah. But not physical. Uh so just a finesse guy in a physical player body. Um not what you want. Um kind of has that, uh, not to disparage him too much, but I I'll call it Royce Freeman syndrome. You are built like a bowling ball, and yet you're trying to bounce everything outside. Like play to your body type or you're gone. It's still I mean, I know we've kind of gone the to the area of seven on sevens, but football is still a physical bleeping game. If you're big and you can't lean on guys, you're not going to be in the league very long. Uh, looking at the offense still on the depth chart, uh, really not too many other surprises. Uh, in my opinion, Brandon Johnson is coming in as wide receiver, second string, probably wide receiver four here over the likes of uh Marque- Marquez Callaway, over the likes of Kendall Hinton, Jalen Virgil, and little Jordan, Jordan Humphrey. Brandon Johnson is uh had a really good camp. We were excited about him last year before the injury undrafted free agent last year. I don't know if he's ever going to be a great, uh wide receiver in the league, but the fact that you have a guy on a undrafted rookie contract, that's going to be making this roster. It seems is, uh, is pretty awesome. So, and we got DeHine coming in here saying my biggest surprise is Jaleel McLaughlin behind batty and Jones jr. I am curious about how much of this is just all the rookies kind of being pushed back a bit on this first depth chart. But the other thing is, I've talked with a few people about J- Jaleel McLaughlin, and while he has been making some plays in space at camp, I think there's a lot. We just talked about it with Albert Okoyomon. O- I think there's a lot of concern about his physicality. Uh, there's been some talk about guys, you know, breathing on him and him flying back, you know, five yards, and that was an issue with him in college as well. So I think there's concern about his physicality.
2: Yeah, you've heard me tell the story about Joe McKnight before. Freshman at USC looked like the best player on the field until Brian Cushing, they went to pass pro, and Brian Cushing hammered him into the ground like a railroad spike. We didn't hear from Joe McKnight the rest of that season. Um, There might be some of that going on. Um, How about Javante Williams
1: sitting there at number one? Yeah, great news on that one. Uh, Again, an indication that he should be healthy and good to go. I'm going to believe it when I see it just because it's so – Unbelievable, yeah, the fact it's, that he's it's, gonna it it's, it's completely it's 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 miraculous. People overuse a lot of you know buzzwords and whatnot, but like I think they do apply to this situation, assuming he is ready to go. Um, uh, mm-hmm. miraculous, unbelievable, unprecedented. I mean, we've never seen this before, and there's been a lot of knee injuries, but to happen week five tearing multiple ligaments in his knee, I mean, it's just, it is it is unprecedented. So Again, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, sometimes there's also the mental catch-up that it re- uh, requires as well for guys to come back off that. I mean, Cortland Sutton suffered one week two of 2020, and he hasn't he didn't look good for two seasons uh, after that. And it wasn't even, I don't think, multiple ligaments to the extent that uh, Javonzo Williams had. So we'll see, we'll see. But him being listed number one, incredible. And shout-out to just him as a person because, I mean, God, what adversity and work probably to get back to this point to even be in the conversation. It just doesn't even make sense to me, but it's incredible. So
2: it's pretty interesting that we're looking at, um, you know, the rookies at the depth chart that Marvin Mims then is still up at number two. So Mm -hmm. talking about the rookies on the depth chart, Bijan Robinson for the Atlanta Falcons was listed third on the depth on the initial depth chart. I mean, I'll, I'll set an over under right now. He will, one of those prop bets, every game that Bijan Robinson is healthy, he will lead the team in touches. Mm -hmm. Forget the depth chart. So, it speaks a lot to me that Marvin Mims is sitting there at number two. Um, just flat out for that reason.
1: Yep. Without a doubt. Um, Lance coming in saying, forgot about Michael Burton. How's his performance been in camp? Sounds like he's been good. And uh, he's been really raved about from uh special teams coach. Curac. Uh, uh, the name's escaping me right now. We all know that West Op's the actual man in charge there, but uh, they talked about Michael Burton's impact on special teams as well. It's a team that wants to be physical. Burton out there, they're going to have a role for uh, him. He's going to probably get 10, 15 offensive snaps a game and special teams work. So, uh, looking at this, uh, go ahead. Oh, well, Mims is number two because of the Patrick injury. That, that's fine. There's still one, two,
2: three, four wide receivers that I'm looking at that are behind him that aren't rookies. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's still very interesting to me that he's not farther down with the rest of the rookies. Um, you know, Marquez Calloway's there, a little Jordan Humphrey's there even Jalen Her- Virgil, Kendall Hinton. It wouldn't have surprised me at all to see those guys ahead of Marvin Mims on this sheet of paper. So it surprises me a little bit to see him up at, up at number two. Again, has nothing to do with how many touches. We've talked about him being, he's probably wide receiver three right now. But on paper to see this and say, okay, well, there he is. Sure enough. Uh, it, speaks, it speaks volumes, how much he's going to be
1: used, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. And uh, one of my big takeaways that we've har- I've harped on here a few times, <laughs> Scott, and just looking at this again, the offensive line depth is horrendous. I think that actually the I'm more worried about the starting tackles than the offensive line tackle depth uh, with Fleming and Isaiah. Prince has actually been standing out pretty well, but with Michael Lynch, hurt and Garrett Bulls apparently looking pretty damn bad in camp. we well, just let's not mince words. I'm a little bit worried about that, but that second team interior offensive line, if one interior offensive lineman goes down, and this includes Lloyd Cushenberry, I am worried about the entire integrity of the offense. Because holy crap, Scott, Kyle Fuller, Luke Wattenberg, Quinn Bailey—that is ass. That is so <laughs> bad. I, I mean, this one of that to be your third string out there. I mean, it's it's horrible. It is horrible. So, and I know there's been some talk. Uh, some people have talked to uh, connected to Dove Valley, saying that oh, the Broncos have been pretty. Impressed with the depth of the interior defensive line? Well, no bleep. They're going up against Kyle Fuller, Luke Wattenberg, and Alex Forsythe. I think you and I might get a few good reps. Not That's not true. We'd get killed. Uh, we would get killed. Might uh, get but, one, and then I'm going to be crushed. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be in the uh, intensive care unit. But uh, I the interior offensive line depth, we saw it before, but just seeing it on an official depth chart, unofficial, it says up there, but seeing it on a depth chart released from the Broncos, horrible. I think that this interior offensive line depth, is something that that not I haven't heard many people talk about it out there besides us. But looking at it, it's just it is horrific in my opinion. I don't
2: know. Maybe it's relative because let's let's go ahead and move down to the defense now. We'll transition the last you know ten minutes or so so of the show. The entire defensive line scares me worse, Nick. It really I, does. I look at that defensive line. I look at the two deep on this defensive line. I see Zach Allen. I see DJ Jones. So when we talk about depth on the offensive line, Quinn Bailey's a decent player. Uh, You know, Wattenberg has seen some time. Quinn Bailey has seen some time. Again, but we're we're here. I'm scared to death about starters. Yeah. Let alone who's behind them. I don't know who Jordan Jackson is been covering this team for you know it's my third year I don't know who Jordan Jackson and Tyler Lancaster are mm-hmm. I know who Jonathan Harris is because he's the guy after the Buffalo Bills game last year along with McTelvin Ajim I said I don't want to see them ever take a meaningful snap for the Denver Broncos and now he's listed at number one yep. Nick it's that D line man it's the big it's the big guys on the DL that scare me worse and again we talk about zero sum game well yeah the offensive line interiors look pretty good as Nick just said, look, look, look who they're going against. If if you're protecting DJ Jones and Zach Allen, you're going against Jonathan Harris, Jordan Jackson, Tyler Lancaster, and Matt Henningsen. Yeah, I would, I would expect
1: the interior defensive line to look pretty good. Uh, it's yeah. the What I said and what I was told is that they were actually, they've been more impressed with the interior defensive line than they thought they would be. So they haven't felt the need to make a move, but I think that has to do with how terrible Luke Wattenberg, Quinn Bailey, et cetera, are that interior offensive line. And this is why playing even the Cardinals who are dreadful, you're going to get a different chance to see who matches up against who. And let's say the Cardinals second string offensive line comes out here and just absolutely pushes around Jordan Jackson, Jonathan Harris, Tyler Lancaster. That's why it's going to be uh, concerning. So I'm, I know that we're bringing in Sean Payton, the Bill Parcells disciple, you know, physical building team through the trenches, but right now, uh, after the first, you know, the first line of the offensive line and the first two starters on the interior defensive line, I don't think it's a very good very good physical team. There's just not a lot of physical talents out there. We will see what it looks like again in camp. It sounds like the defensive line has been okay. They've been impressed with some of these guys, but I just, after last season, when we saw Jonathan Harris, you know, on roller skates, at play after play against the Bills, I'm like, if we ever see this guy in a Broncos, you know, play play meaningful snaps again, it'll be too soon. Yeah. Uh, so I am. I am right there with the regime.
2: Not too long after that, because it was both of them were just hor-
1: they were just bullied. I uh, yeah. haven't yeah. had to use that word in a while, Nick. And the Bills interior offensive line was horrible last season. They they went out and like made multiple moves because they were that bad. And the Broncos just got leaned on. Uh, it was um, whack a mole again. I still think
2: I predicted. I will say again. I expect to see at least two three hundred plus pound
1: guys signed by September fifth. I hope so. Um, so yeah, keeping it on here, uh, just, I'm worried about the, uh, the depth of the trenches. I mean, that's one thing if you're quarterback, if you want to not lean on your quarterback for stretches of games, it comes down to how good you are in the trenches. And I'm not sure the Broncos depth on the offensive line is good enough. And the just overall defensive line, I think DJ Jones is a very good player. Every team would be ecstatic to have a DJ Jones quality guy, Zach Allen. I sound like he's been great, but what we saw from the, any team that's had been worthwhile in defense over the last God, forever. Let's just say forever. You've had waves of defensive line talent and Broncos are just in there right now with a lot of question marks. So we will see how it works out. But yeah, I mean, I feel like Scott, we've harped on the defensive line a lot, a lot, a lot where, and I've heard other people harp about it too. Haven't heard so many people harp on the depth of the offensive line and good comment from CC mentioning that uh, Cam Fleming's probably the backup everywhere, but center. I agree. They didn't list him everywhere, although maybe they would. That helps a bit. Mm -hmm. uh but still i'm concerned about it long term because you're already down you know mike Malinchi. uh so what does that look like maybe isaiah prince is right tackle and then um if another injury occurred isaiah prince would be right tackle and uh you'd see fleming kicked into the guard spot but i'm i'm concerned nick
2: i look at it on game days you dress
1: eight you
2: dress you dress eight offensive linemen how does your eight look not necessarily your backup across five spots you know your backup center black because you're not playing all five of those guys at once you can't you are you're, you're dressing 8ol on game day mm-hmm. so knowing that my 6th is a versatile guy like cam fleming i don't feel too bad about that you know how often am i how often am i going to have to go to two reserve offensive linemen in a game i mean if you're not the denver broncos <laughs> kind of dropping like flies most yeah. teams do not have to go to two backups in the same game yeah. So knowing that Cam Fleming is my first guy off the bench in case there, there's an injury, I feel okay with that. I do. Okay. Now, after that, after we get through that game, someone gets hurt, Cam Fleming moves into the starting lineup, there, there's going to be a move made. You're not bringing a guy up from the practice squad out of this bunch. You're you're going and making a
1: move. And what would you say throughout the course of a season, how many offensive linemen for an average team play significant snaps? Eight? Probably seven or eight. Seven yeah. or eight throughout right, the Right in there. and they're insignificant,
2: so, being 50-plus hmm yeah you know where so, that because that's that's a game at least where you're playing um mm-hmm. but they don't rotate on on ol no, so it, it just takes injuries. an injury it's it's, yeah. the, it's the position where you know he played 800 snaps they had 800 snaps they don't they don't yeah. rotate like they do on the defensive line
1: yeah i'm just i'm i'm worried about the depth of the interior offensive line specifically on paper i've just not been impressed with any of those guys i mean luke wattenberg last year i know he they drafted him in the fifth round I even traded up for him but now they're going to a more power-oriented scheme. He's what twenty-six years old, and he's small. I just—it's uh, a—I don't think it's a good look there on the interior. And we're going to find out because those backups on the offensive line are going to get work in uh, preseason. Yeah, and if Jarrett Stidham, you know, hit his back drop, and he's you know having to run. Or there's absolutely no push up front. Ring the alarm bells. First, uh, I talked the- up
2: Pennington at left guard last year when he came in, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we'll see again. Nope. a second year should be good for him if if he i think he would be probably seven and then quinn bailey eight yep uh, would those be the eight guys i would dress that would be my opinion as well yep that's not so, that's not as scary as your your six on your your big guys on your dl i i agree i think i said that. i meant wattenberg wattenberg I, I, saw yeah. some time at left guard
1: i i totally I understand. I and I agree with you. The defensive line, very concerning depth. Uh, Jonathan After you get past the first two. Not sure what to make of it. Uh do agree with uh Jeremy's comment here. The edge room actually looks solid on paper. I don't think there's any superstars in this room, but four deep, uh I think you're okay. Uh I think great Randy Gregory has superstar ability, but because he's been so unavailable, you can, I can't mm-hmm. put that on him. And Frank Clark is, you know, on the back nine of his career, but Uh, Benito and Cooper have been really good. It sounds like, you know, Benito's second round pick a little bit more prestige there, but it sounds like Cooper has been probably one of the stars, standouts of camp. So excited to see what he can do out there. We're in that number zero spot. After that, uh, not too many surprises, in my opinion, just looking at the depth chart. Uh, Justin Stranod, special team, standout, good fourth uh, linebacker, definitely going to make the team now, barring injury. After that uh, Griffith injury, Drew Sanders, third. Riley Moss still being listed second team despite the injury, I think is probably worthwhile kind of shows what they invested in him. And then, uh, seeing PJ lock and Delare and Turner yell above JL Skinner. So not really uh, too much of a shock here on the listing other than seeing on paper, uh, that how bad the defensive line looks and the, uh, the slash for the first team safety and Kareem Jackson and Caden Stearns.
2: Yeah, that, that caught my attention as well. The slash there, uh, cause Caden Stearns has been healthy, right? He hasn't missed any time in camp and has looked good. But Kareem has come in. Yeah, I still want to start. I'll do what I can. But I'm we're competing. Um, and last year he laughed. So he's changed a little bit. Last year he laughed at that question. Uh, do you do you expect to be a starter this year? Why wouldn't I? <laughs> oh, all right, he was right. He did. Awesome. He was. He was a starter out there. Um, you know, looking again, we mentioned the uh, the, the rooks coming in. Um, and having, like you said, having Riley Moss up there, but then, you know, look at his competition, so to speak at the cornerback spot, Fabian Moreau ain't beating him out. I I'll be a little surprised if Fabian Moreau makes this team, Delante hood, Tremont Smith. But I think you're going a pretty solid on your defensive backs corners, especially one, two, three, four. You know, you're, I think you're a solid five, six deep there of, of guys that can play at cornerback you're you're
1: you're in decent shape and then safety i think you're in real good shape relative to other teams yeah i think the secondary looks pretty good i am pretty bummed that uh riley moss has been injured just because you know what would that look like out there with him but demari math has been doing well in camp pat sertan has been great so i'm excited about the overall secondary and even you know the linebacker group no superstar there but or at least right now but i think it's a pretty solid overall group it's just the the, no superstar edge, uh, which I'm always going to be hunting for a superstar edge because nothing changes the defense like a superstar edge rusher. And uh, the defensive line starters with starting at Jonathan Harris and the second string just really uh, concern me out there. But I think the defense right now on paper, this looks like it should be a top 12, uh, top 15 defense, top half of the league. And it's going to come down to can they hold at the point of attack and do enough upfront with those guys because it's the, that's the first point of right, the first system check. If you're getting beat up upfront, hard to do much else. And just a reminder, Randy
2: Gregory's five year, $70 million superstar money contract. You can get out of that this year mm-hmm. after this season and save $10 million after this okay. year against the salary cap. So that was always a two year, $28 million deal with team options.
1: Yeah. That it down. I saw Patrick's in the house at Aloha, my coffee brothers catch up later. Uh, Patrick, we gave you a shout out earlier. Hope you're doing well. God, I just unbelievable devastation in Hawaii. I'm really, really sad uh, about that. That I saw that the, God, I can't think of, I mean, obviously the fatalities are the main thing, but that tree in that town as well, they, they were celebrating a hundred. My wife even. talked about it. It's, it's just an amazing, the big banyan
2: tree is Onion, just yes. amazing. It's so cool. I love those old men, you know, those those trees that have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. And she said she didn't think that
1: tree made it. It doesn't look like it did. Um, I think they're celebrating the tree's 150th year. At least. Uh, I, th- I think I saw a flyer that it was the 150th year. They had the foresight to, like, when they built that town, let's build one of these, plant one of these trees here in the city center. So, uh, yeah, really just, just devastating. Um, so sad. I mean, there's wildfires going on all across the world right now. It's just really scary. I think last week was the hottest recorded week in the last, you know, since we've been recording that on Earth, and it's just... Really, really just uh, dark stuff. But, hey, we got football to distract us for <laughs> a little bit, not to be too uh, morbid about it. But uh, other things, special teams here, no real shocks. Elliot Fry and Brett Maher still in a battle. Riley Dixon. Riley Dixon, there's been a lot of Riley Dixon hype, which I'm here for because, God, if there's anything that my Iowa fandom has taught me, it's that punting is winning. And if you can have a good punt team, you can really <laughs> do some good things out there. So uh, good to see Riley Dixon out there. One thing, uh, not shocking, but definitely fun to see it on here. Marvin Mims, this is the first punt returner with Montreal, Washington, too. I'm curious to see if Mims becomes so valuable that Washington or that they take him off that kick return punt return duty. And also Montreal, Washington, listed as the backup kick returner, punt returner, not even listed, I believe, on the wide receiver depth chart at all. Uh, yeah, scroll even, over and see. Oh, there he, he is. Fifth. Oh, there he
2: is. Yeah, he's he's over there with Albert Okawabenom. Yeah, so...
1: Not sure what that means for him long term. If Swipe he's right. just he's not making the team <laughs> if he's fifth on there and uh, not one of the starting kicker turn punters. I mean, there's obviously a spot for him practice squad. I don't know if anybody would pick him up, uh, but that's uh, seeing him the backup there. The real question for me becomes does Marvin Mims become so valuable on offense with depth questions at wide receiver that they protect him and move on from him give or him as much on top of and that, it's
2: yeah. You, you put a GPS on a wide receiver. He's probably running soccer miles, you know, mm-hmm. four or five miles a game.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Without a doubt. So, I mean, I remember Jerry Judy's comment a few years ago, got my conditioning in at least as the Broncos got their butt whipped by oh, the Chiefs. The, I, he
2: ran 15 miles a game as he was running his jet sweeps
1: oh. and never touching the ball. Pat Trimmer special baby. He's talking ridiculous. about the special. Uh, you got Ethan coming in $50 saying great shows, Jensen Broncos country. Hopefully it wasn't too doom and gloom. I just, I think Scott and I both are, I don't know if it's our bias to college football or just, you know, having watched it for a bit, but outside the quarterbacks, the teams that win football games are the ones that can impose their will along the trenches and looking at this Broncos first depth chart, a little bit of concern, uh, <laughs> along the trenches. So we knew that going in, but just seeing it in actual writing here is, A little concern for me. And that's going to be my big takeaway for our big uh, preview here for the Broncos. Coming up, everybody's going to be talking Russell Wilson and the flashy guys and what does Pat Sertan look like and some of these rookies. For me, can the Broncos even operate what they need to do? Because if you're getting beat up in the trenches, you can't do anything else. So uh, that's my big takeaway for the Cardinals. You better damn well be able to match up against the atrocity that is this Cardinals roster, even if we're talking second and third strings, because they're they're pathetic. They're tanking. Writing Caleb Williams' name now.
2: Ethan must be busy while he's listening because he didn't get into much of the linebacker talk that we had. But no, I mean, it's, it's about efficiency. And having a strong offensive or defensive line on offense, a strong offensive line means I'm in a lot of second and fives, second and fours. Having a strong defensive line means I'm in a lot of, I'm holding the team to a lot of second and nines, third and sevens. That's where it's one. Then it doesn't necessarily come about imposing your will on the interior side of thing, but winning first down and keeping people obvious, you know, taking away that option of the run and making them obvious. Okay. This is an obvious pass situation. Then you can be a dangerous defense. I have a run pass option on third and two. Now I can be, or even better second and two, I can take shots. Then you become a, a, a less obvious and you can dictate to the defense. So Again, yeah, it's a seven on seven league, et cetera, et cetera, but you can just give yourself so many more options. I mean, it, it sounds simple. Hey, you want to have a good offensive and defensive line. Yeah, Scott, Nick, no kidding. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll see how these guys go. Uh we'll 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 see how it matches up. Again, I'm on record, I'll say it one more time. These guys aren't done
1: bringing in big boys to this team. They're not done. Yeah. And I'm guessing that's gonna be a big point of emphasis this offseason as well and uh fortunately right now it looks like for the uh, 2024 draft not to get too ahead of ourselves here but probably the best defensive tackle crop crop coming out since that uh 2019 like a class crop to me nick yeah <laughs> that 2019 class that had i think five or six defensive tackles going the first round that was just an unbelievable uh year of those guys so i think it's going to be a good crop this year and i think tackles pretty good as well so uh broncos if it does kind of fall apart of I- and they're not looking at quarterback. Who knows there? Uh, but I think they got a chance to look at some uh, some big boys, which is always good. They're they're the most fun to watch, in my opinion. Everybody else, you can have your fantasy football. I will take the uh, the three hundred pounders moving like ballerinas out there. That's my favorite. Diego Alonzo nine ninety nine. Hey guys, how's it going? Going pretty well. Uh, getting excited for Broncos football tomorrow night as they head to Arizona to take on the Cardinals and knock on wood. I think this wall's wood. No injuries. No no no
2: injuries. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, the support that you have shown as well. And team says Washington will make the team. You guys will eat your words. Um, maybe. Uh, I think the the, the talk was, though, if, if he's not the starting returner, then they won't hold on to him, which I agree with. But again, I think he still has a chance to win the starting return job because whoever wins a starting return job has a spot on the team, regardless of where they're buried in their respective position. They're a starting return guy. But mm-hmm you're not going to be a backup return man and a fifth wide receiver. That ain't going to happen. You will be on, you'll be waived and offered a contract on the practice squad.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, Tim, you can, we can both be right here maybe we'll eat our words. I would like nothing more because I'm not pulling against him by any means. I mean, he's a Bronco for God's sake. And it'd be awesome if he ends up being Deshaun Jackson out there. I mean, that would be incredible. Sign me up, please take my arm. Uh, But as far as how he's, how it's set up right now, the fact that he's second on the depth chart and as a returner and fifth as wide receiver, that, to me, probably speaks practice squad. And is that making the team? I, I don't know. I think that's probably his most likely destination right now, barring an injury and other unforeseen circumstances. But I'm pulling for him. I hope he does it.
2: I don't consider that making the making the team initially because you have to get cut to go to the practice squad. Yeah. So making the team is the 53. That's, yeah. that's what
1: we're speaking of. Well hoping all these guys can stay healthy and uh, be good because gosh darn as we said to start the show it's been way too long since we've seen competent football in Denver and it does seem like uh we should have competent football this year as long as the uh, trenches hold up and the quarterback can go well so we'll see uh but Scott we're at an over an hour now it's 7:45 but we got to kind of wrap so, it I up want to go
2: 45 minutes well then go 45 minutes nick
1: uh, we, i said we want to go to 7:45 minutes you said uh, 30 no, i, I, I <laughs> You can't hold me to my word. That's not fair. Integrity. No. Uh, Jeremy was, you know, just uh, Jeremy had a little side deal here saying we got to go a full hour, but any final thoughts, Scott, before we wrap it on up, Uh, what's going on? My
2: my final thoughts are, this is the last time uh, we're going to get to see all until, uh, until a game is played. Um, So I'm looking forward to talking about what we have all seen uh, on, on the field. And, you know, until then, I want to say thank you to the financial supporters of our show, Michael around on Facebook, uh, Mark Schrader, Gary Palmer, Alonzo Gonzalez, Troy Boer, uh, Ethan, the DWI guys, and Diego Alonzo. Thank you so much for helping us get
1: to the weekend, keeping the lights on,
2: keeping my forehead nice and bright.
1: Yeah, thank you guys so much. Really do appreciate that. Make sure you're following Scott on Twitter. Scott is at ScoutKendy. I'm at Nick Kendall, MHH, And yes, we are back Monday. So uh, back to the grind, baby. And uh, it'll be fun. Make sure you're following us, like I said, on Twitter. Also follow us at Haddle as well as Uh, BFB underscore pod also follow us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And as the ticker says here underneath, please subscribe to mile high huddle on YouTube, like this show Broncos for breakfast, and also share it on your social media platforms. We'd really appreciate that. Click a thumbs up on the, uh, the way out as well. We had way more eyeballs and way more comments, uh, than we had hearts and likes coming in. Uh, so only Derek player with the love in here, drop a love over on Facebook. If you're joining us on YouTube today, go over to uh, Facebook and also drop us a, a thumbs up and a heart. But, uh, yeah, show Monday mornings. We're definitely going to be hanging out again. So appreciate everybody back to the, back to some normalcy, back to the grind. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys all again on Monday. Hopefully the Broncos can stay healthy, continue to choose kindness and compassion. Again, thoughts to everybody going on with the tragedy in uh, Maui right now, just unbelievably devastating. And, uh, We'll see you guys again on Monday. Go Broncos.
0: Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.